This is Construction Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. Construction Law Today is a podcast about current topics in American construction law. Your host for Construction Law Today is Buzz Tarlow. Welcome to Construction Law Today. This is a brand new project of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. Over the course of our next several podcasts, I'll be interviewing a number of prominent practitioners in the area of construction law. We welcome your comments and questions about the podcast. Please let us know if you like it, if you find it useful, or any other thoughts you have on how we can improve the podcast. The contact information for Construction Law Today is provided at the end of this podcast. Welcome and thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. We have a very interesting guest today. His name is Simon J. Anderson. Simon calls himself an applied foresight consultant. He's a very popular speaker around the country, and his subject is, what's next? What does the future hold for business professionals? He co-authored the award-winning book, Foresight 2020, A Futurist Explores the Trends Transforming Tomorrow. Simon, Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Buzz. Thanks for the opportunity to be in the podcast with you today. Well, let's start right at the beginning. What's a futurist? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start our conversation. Usually when someone asks me what I do for a living and I say, I'm a futurist, they say, you're a what? So let me clarify what that means. And it, it can really mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So what I do as a futurist is I research emerging technology and trends. And then I help leaders spot new opportunities and new challenges that are created by all this fast change that's happening in the world right now. What kind of industries do you work with, Simon? There are quite a few different industries that I work with, some more than others, like transportation, finance, a lot of food companies lately. But I'm not an expert in any of these industries. And it sounds kind of funny, like, why would I hire someone who's not an expert in my industry to come talk to my industry? Why would I hire a consultant or a speaker that's not an expert? But I I think too often within certain industries, you have so many experts that have been doing the same thing for a long time, passing the same ideas back and forth. It almost creates like this echo chamber, that this bubble that keeps out new ideas. So I really position myself as a futurist, as an informed outsider. So I'm familiar with the industry, but I don't work in the industry. So that allows me to help you see some things you might not be seeing. Sometimes I guess we all have our heads down at our desks and we don't take a minute to look out the window. Let's look a little bit about what in particular is happening in the construction world. For those of us who are lawyers in the industry, what should we be looking out for? There's a lot happening, a lot of major trends and technologies that I think are going to have some major impacts on the future of construction. A few that I've really been watching lately are the shift to automation, which I think is happening a lot faster than a lot of people were expecting in construction. Blockchain tools, we got kind of through this hype cycle of blockchain and Bitcoin, and now a lot of new tools that are actually useful are emerging, uh, new materials, and just a smarter built environment. You hear a lot about robots, not only in the world of manufacturing, but also out on the job site. I saw a video recently of a, uh, a robot laying bricks. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's part of a broader trend in automation, this, this shift to automation in construction. The first part of that being the physical robots like you talked about, and the second part, which I think may have a larger impact, would be the, the software side of things. As far as physical robots and job sites, we're seeing some, some major advance there. The bricklaying robot you might be referencing is this Hadrian X robot by a company called Fastbrick out in Australia. 
And what they can do with this robot is they can, it's essentially a truck with a large robot arm that is able to place brick based on, on digital plans. So it can roll onto a job site and, and build the walls of an entire single family home in one day, which is pretty incredible. That is remarkable. I've heard a little bit about how 3D printing reflects some of these same ideas. Have you seen some of that kind of work? 3D printing is one of those interesting technologies, especially in construction, where, you know, when I was telling people about 3D printing houses four or five years ago, it just seemed crazy. But then you look at some of these examples that are happening now where it's actually becoming a viable technology for house building. And a good example of that is this company called New Story. It's a nonprofit, and they're working down in Tabasco, Mexico, where they're building a whole neighborhood of 3D printed houses. So they have a, a big machine that goes on site, and it basically layers concrete layer by layer and uh, in, in the outline of the of the walls of a house. And they're building 5,500 square foot homes in this neighborhood of 3D printed houses. And the huge benefit is you can do it at a much lower cost than it would be than building this home in a traditional method, and also might be a lot safer than some of the other methods that might have been used for a house of that size and at that price point. So it's pretty interesting seeing where it's going. There have been a couple that have been uh, multi-story that I've been following, but you know I think it'll be a while before we have fully 3D printed skyscrapers, but it is interesting to watch how fast this is developing. Well, when I was listening to you describe that, one of the words that really caught me was safety, because that's a big issue for everyone in the construction industry. You and I were talking before we started the podcast about this exoskeleton device. How does that work? Yeah, uh, job sites are so many injuries in the industry. In fact, uh, in 2017, almost a thousand people died on job sites. It can be really dangerous working in a construction job site. An exoskeleton is like, at least the current versions, are like a very less technically advanced Iron Man suit. So it's not flying around and doing all those cool things like you see in Iron Man. But what it can do is it can help a worker have less fatigue, uh, be safer, have fewer injuries, be able to lift a lot more than they would have been able to before. So for example, uh, there's a new company called, or a new exoskeleton from Guardian XO that allows a worker to lift 20 times what they had been able to lift otherwise. So if you're going to lift something that's five pounds, all of a sudden you can lift something that's a hundred pounds with the same amount of effort. And I think that's going to be really impactful in the, for worker safety, for liability, for on-the-job injuries, and even just for worker happiness, if, you, if you're not completely physically worn out when you get home from a long day in the job site, I think that can really lend itself to being happier on the job. I think that's probably right. But, you know, I have to say that when I hear about these shortcut and cost-saving and more efficient mechanisms, I think, what's labor's perspective on that? It sounds like we're going to need fewer skilled and unskilled laborers at construction sites in the future. I think right now we're really having the opposite problem when you look at 80% of construction companies are having a hard time filling the roles that they need on their job sites to complete the jobs that they, they have available. And so I think in the beginning, a lot of these, these automation tools, these robotics are going to help fill in the blanks where we don't have enough people to do it right now. And I think that's led to kind of a mixed reception among like labor unions and, uh, and human workers as far as these, these tools and these robots. On one hand, you know, if you're coming on the job site as a bricklayer and you see a Hadrian X machine there, you might be thinking, oh, man, there goes my job. This thing's just doing it super fast. But on the other side of things, I think we're going to see these robots, and we already are in some cases, seeing these robots that are replacing some of these repetitive or dangerous or just not fun parts of your job on the job site. So I think workers are, are welcoming that aspect of it, where maybe they don't have to lift the super heavy thing they did before or a really monotonous job uh, could be replaced by a robot and allow them to work on something they might be more interested in and maybe less physically demanding. One of the items that strikes me as really demonstrating how quickly the future comes upon us is the use of drones in construction. They, they seem to be everywhere. 
yeah, drones are a great example of, you know, as a futurist, that, that's a great example to look at how quickly something can go from almost being like science fiction to all of a sudden it's just all over the place and jobs it's all over the world. So yeah, drones are an excellent example. Some of the really cool companies I'm watching now, there's a company called uh, Doxel.ai, and they use a combination of drones and also wheeled robots, and they can drive around and fly around a job site, and they can compare where the build is compared to what the plans are. So maybe if a the foundation's off or a window's in the wrong place or just any kind of anything's deviating from the plans, the software can quickly uh, alert the project manager, and that problem can be addressed much, much sooner than maybe it would have been otherwise. The other piece of that is you can use the drones to look out for safety hazards for workers. And also when you look at the problem of job site theft and you have hundreds of millions, I think it was like $800 million in, in equipment was stolen from job sites in the last year. That's a major, major problem. So if you have these new advanced drones that can fly a lot longer, have better sensors, better cameras, I think we're going to really be able to reduce the amount of theft on job sites just because of drones. I mean, how about these devices that workers wear in their safety vests that I think I think they track where the workers are at what times and uh, what workers may be meeting with each other? How how effective have those been in uh, controlling the way labor is used on a construction site? Yeah, and there are quite a few different examples of companies that are working on different variations that either through your smartphone or there's a company I've been following that I think is really interesting in this space, and it's uh, Spot-R, Spotter. And so it's a little device that's about the size of, a, of an old pager, if you remember, <laughs> if you had an old pager back in the day. It's about the size of an old pager, and you click it onto your belt, and you can the person, the, the project manager can see everyone that's on the job site, when they arrived, how long they've been on the job site, where they are, like what floor they're on, what part of the building they're on or they're in. It can also do things like alert when there's a fall. Maybe even if the person doesn't want to say that they had a fall, it'll still alert the, the safety manager or the project manager or the, or the GC or whatever that someone had a fall and, and where they had a fall. It's great for them. You have to do a compliance tests, like if you have to do an evacuation drill, you can very quickly evacuate everyone and also see conclusively that everyone has been evacuated. I think those will also be used for uh, overtime disputes. You know, we have a lot of disputes happening uh, with overtime and labor. So I think if you can very accurately track when you got there, what you were doing, I think that's really good for the, this labor dispute area. On the flip side, though, I think that really starts to introduce some new ethics and privacy concerns where you really wonder, do I want to be tracked all day long on my job? It's funny you should say that because as I'm listening to you talk about all these mechanisms to watch how workers behave on the job, I'm thinking, how do I feel as a worker under constant supervision? Yeah, it's kind of like having a boss that never blinks. You have a boss that's watching you all the time. I'm not picking any specific technology, but it's, when you look at all these cumulatively, and a lot of what I do as a futurist is I don't just look at the individual trends. I look at how they, they come together and how they converge. So if you have an AI system with a drone flying around and they can identify you on the job site, you're wearing a, a, some kind of tracker on your belt. All these different tools, maybe facial recognition cameras somewhere on a job site to prevent theft, but it could also be used to track what you're doing in your job. Maybe it can help you be more efficient. Maybe it can help you do something smarter on the job, but maybe avoid an injury. But on the other side of it, you really look at, like you said, do I really want someone watching me all day long and essentially judging what I'm doing? We'll be right back with more Construction Law Today. We're back with more construction law today. Our guest is Simon J. Anderson. He's a futurist, and we're talking about important trends coming to the construction industry. Simon, before we took the break, we were talking about some of the hardware 
applications that are new to the industry. Let's shift and talk a little bit about software. I assume that software is changing every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the changes happening in software might ultimately be a lot more impactful in the industry than the changes happening with the robots and the physical automation piece of it. Because with software, it's infinitely scalable, and it seems in many cases much easier to improve than building a better robot. Improving software is easier than adding a whole new functionality in a robot many times. So I think what's really driving some of these changes in software and construction is that you have all these huge companies around the world investing tens of billions of dollars in advancing artificial intelligence, making computers do things that they weren't specifically programmed to do. And I think those those changes are rippling out in a variety of industries. They don't just stay stuck in whatever industry they're originally developed for. And a good example of that is Google with their DeepMind AI. They initially used that AI system to play the game of Go. It's an ancient uh, Japanese game, and they're able to be a world champion in Go, which seemed impossible up until they did it. But they used that same technology, that same artificial intelligence, to run the HVAC systems in their data centers. And they're actually able to realize, after a couple of years of testing, they were able to realize 30% savings in their heating and cooling costs by letting their game AI run their cooling systems. So I think that's a good example that these different developments don't just stay where they were developed. They keep moving throughout the industry and, and driving everything else forward as well. Well, for example, in the construction industry, there was a lot of attention to BIM, building information modeling, a few years ago as a mechanism to explain to owners what buildings would look like and then to explain to the constructors in the process how it's going to be done and what are the conflicts. But I get the sense we've come a long way from some of those original programs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really incredible when you see all these different technologies that are being used to help clients, architects, builders just envision whatever their building is going to look like before it's even the first foundation is laid. So that can be a, a BIM system. Um, AI powered to help understand, you know, if everything's going to work together, if everything's up to code, if the, everything's where it should be. You also have tools like augmented and virtual reality, where you can have all your plans fed into a virtual reality system, and then you can have your client walk through your space before you even start building to really make sure it's going to fit for them. Architects love that when they're trying to explain building concepts to uh, potential owners. I know. Yeah. A big area that's being used too is with uh, luxury apartments. And so if you're trying to sell a luxury apartment, but you haven't even started building the building, you can have clients do a walkthrough with real looking sunlight coming in and their furniture, how they want it, and really feel like they're in that space before it's ever even begun building, which I think is really powerful. You can use it as a sales tool for that example. I think we're really going to see artificial intelligence pretty much applied to basically any area of construction, anything of the planning, anything with regulations. Andrew Ng, who is a a data scientist, one of the best data scientists in the world, said, artificial intelligence is going to be like electricity. And what I think he meant by that is it's going to be running everything, but we're really not going to necessarily see it on the surface. We won't necessarily know that this program is running AI. But I think it's kind of bleeding into every area of construction and and just about any industry. Should I be scared? (laughs) You know, the the number one question I probably get asked in the future is, when are the killer robots coming to get us? (laughs) And and when are they? I think it's going to be on 2024 on December 5th. No, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's it's like that, but I think there are some real concerns, um, especially with what they call the black box effect of AI, where an AI will make a decision. Maybe it could be anything from, like I said, you know, Google running your HVAC, or it could be how your plans are developed for a for a job site, but you don't know how it arrived at the decision. And I think that can introduce some problems when the AI spits out an answer, but you don't know how it got there. So it's hard to like check its work, we'll say. And I think that that become problematic. So there are some things to certainly be aware of going forward, but there are a lot of positives as well. 
Well, in preparing for today's podcast, I was really excited because I want to ask you a question that has been bothering me for a long time, and I'm going to guess some of our listeners, and you'll probably laugh at how simple it is. But Simon, what is blockchain, and what do I need to understand about it? That's a great question. That's something I get asked all the time. So blockchain, a lot of people have, when they think of blockchain, they think of uh, synonymous with Bitcoin, which is a cryptocurrency. Blockchain technology is, is part of a larger technology called distributed ledger technology. And I think, and I'm certainly no expert in this. I've been you know, working on this for many, many years and studying this, but I'm not an expert. But I think the best way to, to kind of generally describe a very complex thing like blockchain is that it's a distributed ledger. And so the records of something are on a variety of computers around the world. So for example, if we have a transaction, let's say I send you 100 Bitcoin, which I guess would be an insane amount, a huge amount of money, but I send you some Bitcoin, it's not just one computer like Bank of America's computer saying that I, that transaction happened. It's on distributed computers all over the world that all have the same record of that. And so it becomes very hard to fake that record because you'd have to have access to a huge number of computers that you wouldn't have access to change that record. So it's has a lot of uses with anti-theft, not changing records. I mean, there are a lot of different areas that I think we're going to see a lot of really useful programs and useful platforms being developed with blockchain kind of after this big Bitcoin hype that we experienced a couple of years ago. And it's not just financial information. You can use the blockchain concept to transmit other kinds of valuable data, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some really cool things that are happening using blockchain technology. And I, th- I think a good example that really applies to construction is in credentialing. And so we're in a really early phase in this, but there are organizations working to be able to put any, any education you've had, any work experience, any cert- certifications you have, like maybe you're a master plumber or a HVAC technician or an electrician with certain credentials on a blockchain ledger that's immutable, they call it, so it can't be changed. And so let's say you're, you're applying for a job with a construction company the hiring manager can very quickly see what credentials you have, what education you have, what jobs you worked on before, and they can see it in a way that can't be changed. So you can't just go in there and say, yeah, I got this credential. Yeah, I did this. I went to this school. I worked for this company. They can very accurately and quickly see what your credentials are. And I think that can really um, help in litigation. So if you can say, here, I can prove that, I, that this person has these credentials, you're not just trusting them that they have it. And then just being able to speed up the hiring process. I think that's another big thing as well with that, with that part of it. You and I were talking earlier about um, some software that operates to speed up the payment process of workers under the general category, which many lawyers and their clients are interested in, and that is how do you retain your best people? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a really interesting space. I'm glad you brought that up. That's something I think that we're still using this antiquated model oftentimes of paying someone every two weeks or every month just based on an old payroll system and also the expense of the transaction of of, of depositing that money in their account. So there's a company in the UK, uh, I think it's etch.co.uk, primarily in the construction industry right now, and they're using the blockchain to lower transaction costs for payments. And so if you're an etch customer, if your employees have a debit card, an etch debit card, and they have access to the funds that they've earned up to the second because you, you lower the transaction costs so much using the blockchain that they're able to do that without incurring massive costs to always have that updated. So if you're on the job site, you work for four hours, you have four hours worth of pay on your card available to you. So if you want to go to lunch, you already have that money right there available to you. I think we're going to see a lot more of this in a lot of other industries. Walmart's kind of experimenting with a version of this, but I think it's going to avoid um, 
overtime issues with payment, you know, you know, especially with these other technologies, you know, when they're on the job site, they can earn their money right up to the second that they're there. I think it's going to help workers. Maybe your car breaks down halfway through your pay cycle and you don't have the money, you know, right now. You might currently have to go to a payday lender and pay these exorbitant fees where now if you have like an edge type technology, you'd have access to that money right away. I I wonder if you worry about um, workers who will stay at a job just long enough to make X and then leave. That's a good point. It just, I think you're going to have a lot of those same problems now anyways, even though they might have to wait a little bit longer to get that payment. But I think overall, I think it, it'll first start out as a way to differentiate your company because you're paying right away with these technologies. And I think at some point it becomes table stakes where if you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult to hire and retain talent. I've just recently learned about so-called smart contracts that have embedded with them software to undertake various tasks when certain milestones are met or dates are met. Have you um, had any experience with those? Yeah, smart contracts are another great area with where blockchain can really have a big impact, especially in efficiency, where if you have, okay, you know, built into the contract are certain benchmarks that if they happen, then other things automatically happen. So let's say this permit is filed, a payment might be automatically processed, or say that, you know, different information is added to a database or a, a certain contractor is signed on. There are all these different triggers that can automatically move a contract to the next phase or submit a payment or just anything that you can bake into the contract up front that doesn't have to be revisited every time a certain benchmark is met. And I haven't seen a lot of it really being applied in construction yet, but it's one of those things, you know, I say if you, as a futurist, if you look at the edges, it gives you a preview of what's coming in your industry. So, if you, you know, you look at some of these edge cases where people are trying out different um, smart contracts for real estate, for example, or some of these other industries. And I think that's giving you a preview of maybe some of these possibilities that we might see in a few years in construction. Well, speaking of things that are on the horizon, I guess no discussion about the future is complete unless there's some discussion about the environment and environmental impacts uh, caused by an industry. That's a big issue for the construction industry. What do you see out there in terms of the way our industry is adopting to environmental risks and concerns? Yeah, that's a great point. We're having a a really enhanced focus on the environment right now with the climate change. effects that we're seeing around the world and just with the younger generations who are really trying to save their future essentially by bringing this to everyone's attention. And the construction industry certainly is a huge contributor to a lot of these changes that are happening in the environment, which, you know, we have to build. So it's, I'm not necessarily placing blame on that because it's going to happen, but there are some interesting developments that I think are going to help mitigate some of these effects that construction industry is having on climate change. For example, we're seeing more usage of these cross-laminated timbers or using wood in the way that it's put together it allows it to be used for much taller buildings than before. So you're not building one or two-story family homes. You're building, for example, this building in Norway that just went up in March. It's an 18-story building, almost all cross-laminate timber. So you can use, you can have a much smaller foundation because the building is a lot lighter. You also are using a carbon sink, which is wood, uh, for the building material. You can do some different designs that you might not have been able to do otherwise. So I think we're going to see a lot more of this usage of cross-laminated timber. Some things maybe a little further on the horizon are... CO2 absorbing materials like CO2 absorbing concrete that through the life of the building will absorb as much CO2 as they emitted during the manufacturing process. So I think that is certainly becoming an area that's becoming a lot more important. And I think we're going to see a lot more demand for that on the client side, looking for more environmentally responsible construction. Simon, your insight uh, to the future is both fascinating and, to be frank, a little scary. I think we'll have to have you back as, as the future gets closer to us. We're going to have to have you back and give us an update. Thanks so much for being on the show. That sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you, bud. 
You have been listening to Construction Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. All rights relating to this podcast are owned and controlled by the American Bar Association. No reproduction or reuse of this podcast is permissible without the express written consent of the American Bar Association. For more information about Construction Law Today, or if you have any questions or comments, you may contact our host, Buzz Tarlow, jtarlow at lawmt.com. Our podcast is produced with the assistance of Peak Recording Studios in Bozeman, Montana. Thank you for listening and look for our next edition of Construction Law Today.